The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of the Battle of Algiers. In part one, we saw how rising violence in the city of Algiers led to a rogue French police captain bombing a neighborhood in the Casbah. If you missed out on that, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you can always stay caught up with us. And with that, we're ready to talk about how the Algerian freedom fighters are going to respond to the bombing. And that's how we'll begin this episode of Spies Like Us. So at this point, what's been established is, uh, you know, by the film is atrocities on either side. You know, uh, you know, there's definitely bad actors uh, on either side, but uh, things are really heating up. This leads into my favorite part of this movie and possibly one of my favorite sequences in film of... I'm going to say it of all time. Uh, what we see is some women putting on makeup and bleaching and styling their hair, which would be normally the most tame of scenes that you could possibly imagine. However, the scene is um, underscored by like these massive drums, like boom, ba ba boom, ba ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, and um, you know, like it's it's heavily dramatized. And what it's, I really think I really want to flag this as like just one of the most magical kind of things that cinema can do is to change like to tell a story about what you're seeing by just the way that it's presented on the screen because these women aren't just putting on lipstick they're not just styling their hair they're getting ready for fucking war you know and and absolutely. without without a word of explanation you absolutely like understand that it's my best tradecraft number 2 just um you know well the fact that they're westernizing themselves so that they'll be able to more easily pass through these checkpoints uh this actually made my best tradecraft number 1 um, was westernizing them to cross the border because uh, previous to this point, uh, we got a lot of stereotyping, uh, profiling, uh, which is required when you're trying to figure stuff out, like or pulling an investigation or contain like a type of situation. Um, but noticing the fact that how heavy the the racism or uh, the prejudice against a religion or uh, against a peoples or a nations, they recognized that they could get through the border by looking very Western. Cause you're talking about a heavy Muslim culture. <clears throat> so what do you do? You, you, you just have the women Westernized and in this very fashionable, first of all, they're women so, you know, they, they, you know, give the eye winks to the soldiers. Uh, they, they, uh, right. Yeah. Like, like one of the ladies, like, you know, gets flirted with as, right. as she's passing through. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. And, and, uh, they, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're physically considered not a threat by these soldiers, especially at this time period. Right. Uh, you know, and and when you're at the checkpoint, you're just looking at women in their burkas coming through, and it's like, oh, well, this lady is obviously like supposed to cross the border with her blonde, fashionable hair and her wonderful lipstick. And you know, this is a big thing for like Islamic culture, like or as like a religion or a belief system that like that's not something they should be doing because this is highly sexualizing them in their eyes. Mm -hmm. So this yes. is, this yeah. is, this is, this is kind of like a, 
like uh it's uh it's in, in their minds it would be sorry what's the word i think you got the probably the word on your tongue then i, I would i would want to say that they are demonstrating cultural submission is what i'm seeing like they're not disguising themselves in the sense of I look like an American or I look mm-hmm. like a French lady, but I am culturally disguising myself as someone that accepts the superiority of French culture over my culture. And that's what I think is so fucking awesome about the scene. Like, yeah, and- like I'm looking like someone that accepts French colonialism. Like I'm gonna go along to get along. You know, right. I'm not French, but I'm not, you know, so fucking hardcore. Ah, la, 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 you know <laughs> that that and 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 also that's a that's a you know religiously like a painful or it's a hard road to cross. Because I think that the Muslim culture is so, like, you know, what they're fighting against so much is this, uh, you know, what they would call, like, this whorishness of of the French and Western uh, aspect of femininity. But, uh, you know, cloaking themselves in that is, mm-hmm. and their their willingness to do that I, I just, I fucking love it. <laughs> no, yeah, the, that's one thing I really wanted to point out about this uh, was that to them, they're allowed to step outside of the, con, like, uh, I don't want to say constraints, but um, it, like step outside of their beliefs because they're doing something. There's a word for this. Uh, like they're allowed to put on this armor of makeup and you know which i'm kind of referencing miss sloan a little bit um uh and and step outside of you know the 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 expectations I think, of- well i think i think the miss sloan reference is totally valid here uh because we talked about uh you know chastain's research on mm-hmm. the uh political lobbyists and mm-hmm. you know um the black I mean, nail polish. Right. The, and, yeah. you know, the real, uh, the real Miss Sloan, you know, she doesn't have time for fucking makeup and lipstick and high heels and, and all mm-hmm. that bullshit. But, uh, you know, when she went in and studied those people, like, they were willing to culturally sub- uh, sublimate their actual selves into the guise of what would be expected or what would be able to pass. And uh, yeah, it was so amazing. Like, you know, Chastain said, like, you know, when she studied these women, like, you know, when they are getting themselves up, they're not just, you know, making themselves pretty. They're fucking right. <laughs> putting on, they're, they're putting on their fucking armor. You know, they're going to war. And that's what's so fucking awesome about this scene to me. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Of course, the end result of this is that, uh, you know, and again, uh, these three women that we see, they're all historical figures. Uh, They did take these bombs out in the way that it's shown. Uh, one of the bombs did not go off. Two of them did. And we see that they are, you know, and, and we get to spend some time with showing like, you know, one of them, the one that I remember the most is, um, I, I, I guess I would call it a nightclub, except it was during the day, but you know, (laughs) just some, just some young, you know, some young French people, like, you know, guys and ladies just trying to get laid, just dancing, you know, listening mm-hmm. to music, and, and then they all fucking die. Yeah. And that sucks. They're just, yeah, innocent, young French kids that are just like, you know, they're out for a good time. They're just doing what, you know, adolescent, probably college age, maybe. They're out just doing their thing, like, 
you know, all of us do. Like we're we're all gonna go out, like you know, and just have a good time. And um, like it, it's it, it's it's really well shot. A lot of this a, a lot of this film really does set the atmosphere. Um, and and I think it all starts with you know what you had pointed out, Todd the 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 prison scene with the guillotine just showing the walls. Like there's so much atmosphere to this, and and I think this is one of the greatest shots that I really enjoyed because it really set the atmosphere of what they're doing. Um, These three women are showing up to a place that's really going to hurt the French people. Um, Like, I I don't really want to make it a point, you know, it's, it's kind of like a plus terror points, which is kind of concerning. Uh, But like, like this is, this is what gets people's attention. It's 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 really uncomfortable for me to talk about, but like just these specific targets aren't like, you know, we're gonna go hit a military base or we're gonna go hit like an electric uh, production, you know, uh, facility or like a mine, or we're not gonna hit the dollar. We're gonna hit we're gonna hit the public, you know, and we're gonna make you pay attention to us. Like, and it's it's really shitty. Like it's. And I think there's like one shot of the one of the three ladies that are looking around at the room, and you could kind of see a little bit of empathy. Oh right! Oh yeah, where, where yeah, she's yeah. She's kind of like, she's kind of like, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Like, am I really, no, really doing? The yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, like, and it, but like, you know, it's she, she's still like pulling the cause or whatever. It, it's, it's a really, really like vivid moment. Right. Um, this, I mean, the, the, I think the the lasting value of this film is that it's unflinching in saying like, no, this is what you're doing. Right. Like this is, you know, I've seen so many movies where like the terrorist is, you know, just some cartoon villain. That's going to, you know, just like most villains. He's just a bad guy. You know, if James Bond doesn't stop him, he's going to blow up New York. Um, right <laughs> but but this this film shows people that are like just absolutely up against their the wall and like feel like they have no choice yeah that's it that's a definitely a good way to like really kind of paint the picture of what's going on in this film like we said earlier it's it's a lot of gray areas there's a lot of black and white themes but it's very like grayed out to the point where like you can't know what like like people were like like you said about it best earlier like it's just like people like shit's fucked up and people are shitty so this is the point where we introduce the paratroopers and the philip matthew character uh who's gonna provide a sort of a counterpoint voice to what's going on, which we're definitely going to get into. Uh, the character in his, itself, uh, he's a guy that um, came up through the French Resistance in World War II. He's been involved in the uh, all of the French involvement in Vietnam, in which he would have learned a lot about counterinsurgency. So he's, uh, you know, from... France's point of view, he's the right man for the job. Uh, he's going to come in and he's going to lay down, like he's going to explain to his troops and through those scenes, us, the audience, like how a pyramid structure of insurgency works. Can you take it from there? Yeah, absolutely. I, but before we get into the pyramid structure, I, he doesn't just come in. They do the Rome parade. Th- this is this is something that's really, really important because this is apparently like a big history thing. Rome, as they were conquering, would parade their soldiers through the streets. Uh, and you see this a lot in a lot of dictatorships where they're like showing off their military, like they're just flexing. Like, mm-hmm. look at all of our tanks and planes and soldiers we have. So, so Matthew's brought into the situation. We see this giant parade of soldiers just like rolling up, and 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 like 
Here is the big machine coming in. You can rely on us. We got the resources. We, we have the structure. We have the organization. And we got the best man for the job. This guy fought in Vietnam. He, he knows what he's doing. So if you're on our side, you can feel safe. If you're not on our side, you, you better start wetting your Dude, pants. He, you know, he helped yeah. beat Hitler. Right, yeah, yeah. Come and on. he helped beat Hitler. Yeah, not, not only does he understand, like, fighting against insurgents, he understands being an insurgent, right? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. During the French occupation. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're talking, like, this is the guy. You don't, you know, you don't ever fuck with this guy. You know, type of thing. So, uh, but when when he was brought in to kind of explain to you know the the task force to deal with this insurgency at hand, he and and this is this is really cool because uh, and and this is another reason why this film is like considered like a big reference point. It, he literally goes through the cell organization, right? You know, a, a general government organization is just like you know. We have the resources, we have the red tape, we have the bureaucracy, we have all of it. The machine is running, right? Like, it's it's hard to beat. Versus the insurgent, the revolutionary, the terrorist, the, uh, you know, whatever, the, the guerrilla organization that has to beat the machine has a cell group structure to it. And he basically draws it. And it, you know what I loved about this uh, scene was it, it reminded me of like those MLM. Uh, uh, if you've ever been, a, if you've ever been like conned into going to like an MLM presentation, where they draw, yeah, yeah you get two guys. Oh. <laughs> right. This, this is this is exactly what that is. It's a pyramid structure, um, and the reason for this in a cell organization is um, to prevent. Uh, it, one, it makes it more agile, and two, it prevents being able to identify targets, um, and that's what makes it very agile. Uh, so the idea is one person starts the pyramid, like like if you've ever been in an MLM organization, that's exactly how the, this is the exact conversation you're going to hear. Yeah, one person starts the pyramid, they recruit two people, okay? Those two people then recruit two people, right? Uh, the why this is really important is the people at the bottom only know the person they recruited. So in any part of the pyramid, if anybody becomes compromised, they only know three people. And the idea is the person that mafias are ran like this as well. Uh, like you have, you have your Don and then you have your capos, mm-hmm. right? And then the capos recruit soldiers and then the soldiers go and do like on the street stuff. Um, and this is what prevents them from being like legally like uh, prosecuted, you know, up until the IRS were able to be like, you're not paying taxes, go fuck yourself. You know, like, so the, the, the idea is, is that all, every person in the pyramid only knows three people. Um, so, uh, if anyone's ever captured and tortured or interrogated, they're like, I know this guy and this guy. Oh, well, actually, you would know four people. You would know the person that recruited you, and you would know the two people you recruited. Sure, but uh, like just in the way that uh, in the Day of the Jackal, I think was the first time that we had seen audiences had been introduced to the idea of identity forging in the way right. that we would understand it today. Uh, I think Battle of Algiers is the first movie that introduced audiences to this kind of terrorist slash insurgent cell strategy. Absolutely. And that's, uh, I'm going to give it my best trade craft just for that. This is my best trade craft number two the just the pyramid structure of only knowing three people the people you were recruited by and the people you recruited um it's it's you know i i i feel like i kind of definitely explained why it's effective he's also uh introducing uh his troops 
his his uh uh his squad to uh this this concept of uh having footage of like camera footage of all the checkpoints so that they can backtrack in time like after a bombing they can go back and look at the footage and see who came through what checkpoint at at different points and that is uh plus by points that makes my number three best tradecraft in this film uh it's uh it's a technique that i don't know if you have uh followed up on this so much but uh in in certain cities in the world like this is being like aggressively used in a in an ultimately super capacity i forget what city i'm talking about but uh it's some city in the middle east like we have literally like the scariest thing is i think they're using that in baltimore uh which which absolutely terrifies me that that we're using well, that kind of technique on, on if you've ever read snowden's book he, he talks about uh the mass surveillance concept of just having a catch-all uh archive of footage and metadata and stuff like that so it yeah the the 1984 doesn't seem so far-fetched as it did in 1984 as it does now <laughs> uh but hopefully it's being used to protect us and not hurt us um but i i I, you know, like you, we were talking about milestones of introducing audiences, you know, the time period that this would have taken the battle of Algiers would have taken place at having film footage would have been very new technology. Um, but uh, I did want to mark this as my number two worst trade craft uh, while he's introducing the film footage. Um, you know, what would be great is having a static shot, right? Uh, like you'd pointed out, like with a satellite where you could actually like track what you need to. Uh, but there's like a moment where the person operating the camera sh- like focuses in on this guy with chickens. You know, it's poor fart. It's right. probably, like, like we're not introduced to this character. So it's probably just like a poor farmer. Like, and the checkpoint guys are like messing with his chickens. And like he's like ah yeah the 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 cameraman uh, had good instincts spotting that uh, basket full of chickens that could have been a false bottom haha <laughs> but in that shot you see one of our three ladies smiling back at the camera uh, in her you know western armor so to speak um, so uh, I, I wanted to mark this as my number two worst trade craft. Um, there's this concept of, you know, mental filters. You, you, you kind of learn this in critical thinking that you, you can't really trust yourself because we have all these uh, biases and then our collections of biases create these mindsets. And this, this goes back to like a lot of the racism or uh, uh, cultural prejudice or, you know, um, national prejudice against the Algerians where they're like, oh, look at this guy. And, it, and it's a guy and not a woman, right? Like, oh, women, they, we don't have to worry about them, right? You know, uh, that like the, the, the cameraman not only focused on it, but our guy, Matthew, like didn't even look at the entirety of the crowd. Um, and they actually had the woman, one of the three women who had bombed the buildings just sneak by and like get a nice like Marilyn Monroe smile at the camera. Um, and, and I think it's really important to po- point out, you know, like these biases and mindsets will save us in an emergency situation. Like you don't want to like draw out like a thought chart, you know, if you need to stop when a deer jumps out in front of you or if like a fireman has to decide whether or not to save you from a burning building. But when you're analyzing stuff, it's very, very, very important to to try and eliminate these filters. Um, and and this is actually brought up if you've ever read like uh, any books on analysis or anything like that. Like um, uh, trying to eliminate these biases and filters when you're seeing things. 
And uh, it's very important talking about the camera because if you have just a steady camera looking at footage, it doesn't have any filters. It's just picking up the image. But as a cameraman focusing in on a particular point, um, you're eliminating a lot of other stuff. Sorry for the rant, but I, I think it's really important to point out because we don't get a lot to talk about in spy films involving analysis and these type of things. So I really wanted to talk about the mental filter and just ignoring the woman who was the actual culprit of the bombing rather than this like poor farmer guy. Oh, he must have had a false bottom. They like you see the chickens running around and yeah. There's definitely like a blind spot, as you say, uh, of uh, the French versus the uh, women. And they're certainly not looking at the kids. Right. <laughs> Whatsoever. They're not even brought up, you know, whatever. This there's a, just... there's, there's a, the movie moves into a, a phase which I didn't entirely understand. Uh, what I get from it, I mean, the UN is uh, bringing to the table the idea that maybe what's going on with French occupied Algiers is not great. And maybe we should do something about it. Now the FLN knows about that and they're going to organize a strike. Uh, it's not entirely, I, I guess it's like a strike. Like we're going to stop working. I'm not exactly sure how that like is supposed to, work or help them except to show that maybe like maybe the world is looking at the FLN and thinking like you're just a bunch of you know you're just a handful of radicals and the real down on the street people of Algiers the workers like are not on your side you're just a bunch of fucking filthy you know, guys just running around shooting cops and bombing people for no fucking reasons. <laughs> so I guess the strike is meant to demonstrate that, like, no, the people are on our side. What I... What I'm most confused about this part of it is that Matthew seems to see this as an opportunity. Um, he seems happy to see that they're running a strike. Uh, he even reports back to his superiors like, yep, this is going to play right into our hands. We'll call it Operation Champagne. Um, your thoughts on on the strike. Was it was it explained correctly to you did you, well, did well, you I think comprehend well it? like you pointed out the strike itself was explained really well uh and, and this is this is what makes the film really interesting because it starts at the very small level and then builds up into a more global geopolitical <clears throat> publicity type of issue well that's their intent right but i think you're right I, I, I agree with you. I'm a little confused as to why this plays in the Matthew's hands. Uh, I don't think it's well demonstrated other than when we get to the press conference and his retort um, really kind of answers that. But I don't think the strike is what leads into that. Other than unless he's kind of like, like, I, I don't know. The, the press conference really shows you Matthew's like uh, perspective. He's, he's a soldier just doing his job, right? Like, and their job is to win versus the people of Algeria are trying to become independent from French occupation or French, uh, colonialism or whatever like that's kind of what I would think is that he's 
I, I like I'm not sure. Like I think I think you're pointing out something really important here because I don't see how the strike plays into Matthew's hand at all, other than him getting a voice on the geopolitical scale. Right. I mean, in the movie, it's an eight day strike. And it was always meant to be an eight-day strike. And it's on the last day that the French go in and bust up all the shops. Now, Wiki says that historically the strike was actually busted up in just a few days from when it started. I'm not sure what the historical fact was on that. But, like, let's just take the movie as given. Um, what would it? How would it make sense for on the last day of the strike, what we see in the movie, the eighth day, and I checked it, you know, on the dates, which the movie gives us, uh, it's only on the eighth day, like the day that the strike was going to be over anyways. Why is it that it's that day that in the movie we see the French go in and like just start smashing all the shops? Yeah, me neither. I the only thing I can think of is like the bread. Um but I don't understand why they would make it an overt operation. It's like so an overt versus covert operation. They they are obviously the military breaking the shops. So this might go back to the considering when the film came out and when this event actually occurred. This goes way back into history with the Roman concept of like we're the strength we're the one you can trust we're the the strong ones on the block you should be on our side because we win you know uh versus the other side would be like this is wrong you shouldn't do this we just want to live our lives type of thing um the 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 only reason they'd be breaking up the shops is because people become poor and don't have food we're going to give you food. So let's just destroy your shops. See, we're the tough guys. We're the ones that can win. We have the strength. And we're going to come and bring you food. Like, don't worry. We're not really the bullies. We'll give you what you need. Come to our side. We're the ones looking after you. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's more historical, like, themes going on than we should then you and I are more equipped to discuss. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of those cases where the movie assumes uh that the audience is more familiar with the material that's being, you know, like like they're they're assuming the the audience can fill in the blanks whereas like us from like 80 years later uh, we we really kind of can't. <laughs> yeah, <You know>? right. <laughs> uh, we get into um, you know, uh, we we now get into some serious torture scenes. Uh, the Matthews, you know, it's never it's never shown that Matthew gives these orders, but we have at least been um, introduced to the idea that he will take any actions necessary. So when we see these torture scenes, uh, we assume that they're coming down through him. Uh, They get four names at the top of the list and they start uh, capturing people. Uh, they start the French start making their way like kind of up the chain like like making inroads into the pyramid structure of the resistance. I noticed I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit like um, that they're announcing the names of the people that are captured. Uh, you know, fr- like they're flying helicopters over the Kasbah mm-hmm. and saying like, this guy has been captured. This guy has been captured. This guy has been captured. Uh, you know, letting everyone know like what their accomplishments are, which 
okay on its face i see it like like working as an intimidation tactic but i also kind of was thinking about it as like possibly backfiring as letting you know like announcing who you've gotten into custody and when i'm thinking about like this pyramid structure you're trying to uh infiltrate up to it seems like it might be better to just be quiet about that and you know because like okay so like uh you know i i don't want to visualize the whole pyramid structure but like you know if i get this one if i get this one guy i don't think i want to just like immediately announce to any of his confederates that he's been nabbed right i'll call that my number three worst but i'm not 100 percent sure that uh, (laughs) i I get it i get it i just i i just don't think it works i think that might be uh, i'm oh man i'm so not an expert in this but uh, that might be one of the things the Pentagon, you know, when they're showing this movie to uh, their people in Iraq, uh, saying like, "Yeah, don't do this." I'm gonna call it my right. number three worst. I think it's I think it's bad. Yeah, it's definitely pretty bad. Um, but uh, one of the things I think was a good point as far as like their announcements was they had this like whole propaganda campaign uh trying to say that fln was trying to make you starve we're the real heroes and it really really like i'm sure it's ineffective considering what the people had gone through especially after that big bombing of of like the like apartment building you know um it's like the argument is basically like you are going to have a worse life if you don't take our side. So please do not help these people. Uh, do not help the FLN. They're trying to make your life worse. Uh, but it seems like a lot of this backfired. And I think this is why it's a great reference um, from the, you know, counterinsurgency standpoint, because like you don't want to go in and start smashing businesses. In fact, I I, I later made this my number one worst tradecraft, but I, I think it's important that I kind of wait on this. But um, just this military rule, and, and considering the time period, like I really am like harping on this whole Roman concept that like you know everybody would have all like thought of you know. Uh, that this is the way you do it. You, you just show that, like, hey, we can keep you safe. We can build walls. We can, like, bring you food. We can, you know, type of thing. But it's... it's aqueducts. That's their story. Aqueducts. We can bring it... Yeah. Like, that's the story being told. Like, your uh, FLN group that is telling you that they're trying to support you is actually trying... What they're doing is going to make you starve. We are the ones that are the heroes. Control the narrative. Um, Control the narrative. Right. Right. So I kind of wanted to point out what they were trying to accomplish um, in, in, in this kind of moment. It it definitely backfired, you know, both in the film and historically, uh, you know, considering that they're the ones that trashed the businesses, considering that they're the ones that like were taking husbands off the streets, like, you know, Gestapo style. And I think that's really kind of what the film was trying to point out. Cause they brought up the whole French resistance to, you know, like the, the, the Nazi occupation and kind of made the parallel of this but you know this time period had a lot of stuff like that where like like the world was trying to end colonialism at this point you know very much so it it does seem like a, a period where everyone was uh voluntarily or involuntarily uh reducing their colonial impulses that that we'd seen like so much through the i don't know 17th 18th century 
seems to be a new world. You know, some people in power are not quite getting the gist of that it's no longer as easy you know or profitable (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) which is always the bottom line right right uh to to do this kind of shit this movie is um kind of a torrent of mistakes by everyone involved that's a great way to put it that is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a torrent of mistakes. Let's go straight to the, the Matthew, like the press conference. Let's, let's skip ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't think we saw Ben Mahidi get captured, but Matthew allows him to answer questions from the press. And this is where we get this great line of, uh, you know, you know, when they're pressing him on the FLN's tactics, he says, like, well, give us your bombers and you can have our baskets. Yeah, it's just a, such a great point. And that's when Matty, like, kind of cuts off his, uh, his, his press conference answers. He's like, oh, I'm not allowed to talk anymore. And he's like, yeah, I don't want, you know, he just wants to prevent him from making – the this might go back to what you were asking earlier of how the strike actually plays into Matthew's hands. Matthew might have been at a more abstract level of waiting for this moment, and this is when we get the retort from Matthew, where uh, you know they're asking him, you know, you know, there's word that you're doing like some really shitty stuff and blah 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 and whatever, and he's like, look. We're soldiers. Uh, our job is to win, right? Uh, it's believed that France should stay in Algeria. As long as the answer to the question of whether or not we should be in Algeria is yes, I'm going to do my job. And th- this scene is, like, really powerful because you have two very intelligent men. You know, even Matthew is just like, look, I don't have anything against, like – Mahidi at all like he he he's he he speaks very highly of him he right. speaks very highly of Jafar as well yeah uh and, after and, Jafar's capture Matthew himself is not driven by prejudice or hatred I mean he's very authoritarian for sure right and this goes I, back to his line about Sartre. He's like, why are all the Sartres on the other side? And he's like, don't get me wrong. I don't like Sartre, but I even, I like him even less as a foe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and if you don't know who Sartre is, he's, he's a famous French existentialist. And if you don't know what existentialism is, it's the idea that there's no value or meaning. He's like kind of alluding to these, the Algerian uh, FLN resistance doesn't, really have like like a, an overlying moral to an authoritative idea you know and uh he's he's kind of like saying like why are they always on the other side what why are they not seeing the idea of a meaning or like an ideal sartre's like existentialism is very like defeating where it's just like you know like there's no reason to have an ideal i think is what he's trying to say What's great about this scene is how highly he speaks of Mahidi because Mahidi is a person that has an ideal. He is a person that believes in something. He's the one that understands the world stage. And you get this back and forth. And I don't think Matthew really understood who was behind all of this. And when he actually meets the man, he's like, oh, these aren't just people that are upset. Uh, and just like, you know, lashing out, this is really an, an organized like issue. And this is like a really big movement that actually matters. And that's why he kind of cuts off, you know, Mahiti's like responses in the pe- press conference. And he has to step in and be like, oh, we're going to do our job. Like, uh, and as long as the answer to the question is, should we stay in Algeria is yes, we're going to continue to do that. And and I think this goes back to your question of what you were saying. Well, why, why was he excited about the strike? Well, 
after this press conference, the UN decides not to intervene. Um, and, and I think Matthew did not realize who he was up against. And he probably hadn't been in, you know, this is a man that fought against the Nazis and fought against Vietnam, like fought in Vietnam, you know. So to him, he's like, no, we have to stay strong. We have to keep to our ideals. We have to believe in something. He now just meets Mahidi. He's like, oh, wow. This person does believe in something. This isn't this isn't just like some people that are like this is this is like real and and that's why he kind of cuts off his narrative uh, Matt, uh Mahidi's narrative because he's like oh this would actually affect a lot of things I have to continue to do my job you know type of thing it's really kind of like uh uh sobering like this is actually what happens the, the these are the real stories versus what we hear on the news or the narratives we're told in storytelling like you know oh here's this thing i'll do this and yay we're gonna win like no there's like real shit happening and there's like no real answer and really history kind of tells us the answer is like well the algerian people just really wanted to be independent which is something the Western world understands. And like, I, I think this was a big turning point, you know, as far as like the fall of con- colonialism as to why this is a bad idea, you know? And this is the climax of the film is this press conference. It really is what, you know, the pathos of what's going on in the film. The resolution is, you know, uh, Matthew continues as the machine doing his job you know, tearing down the pyramid and uh, finally corners Ali. One of the things I really wanted to get to about the end was finally, when I had mentioned earlier, my number one worst tradecraft was this big military rule, trashing businesses, you know, really shitting on things. It, it really hurt their attempt at their propaganda control of the narrative. Um, this is what triggers the actual win of Algeria, um, is blowing up Ali and killing Ali. This, this is like cornering the 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 defenseless kind of like you know peoples where they're gonna lash out, and that's what leads into the political movement of Algeria that ends up winning the 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 war, quote unquote, on a political geopolitical stage. And so I wanted to mark that as my number one worst tradecraft was just this whole letting the machine do it what it does without kind of thinking of the consequences of how it worked. And that's what made this film very powerful. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. I loved the research of this film more than I actually liked the film itself. Um, I, you know, just, okay. So, you know, my star ratings are always going to be like, just me, 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 me. Cause everything's about me. I can only give it a 2.5. Don't really think I need to see it again. I'm super glad that I fucking watched it though. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed learning about this film and all the circumstances that had to go into place so much. Uh, a true film historian or a true film nerd would probably give this a 4.5 at least. Uh, but, you know, for me personally, eh, I'm done with it. This is not a rewatchable film if you're just trying to watch a movie. Um, but... As far as intellectual stimulation goes, either from a tradecraft perspective or a political perspective or a film perspective, this is definitely rewatchable as a study piece. But like if you're trying to enjoy like a story, it it, it doesn't fit that category. So I'm, I'm just going to hit this in the middle with a three. My best tradecraft, number three, was uh, the checkpoint footage. You know, just having cameras, watching all the checkpoints. My best tradecraft number two. Oh, almost, and and sincerely, 
possibly one of my top 10 favorite movie scenes of all time. The westernization of the ladies as they prepare for their bombing missions. Oh, it's so fucking delicious. Uh, But I have to give my number one best tradecraft to the network itself. Uh, You know, just the, um, even though like, it's not a concept that is invented by the movie. It's just a a concept that is showcased by the movie. Uh, You know, the cell organization of insurgency. Mm -hmm. This is probably the first movie that ever uh, introduced that concept to audiences and way back in 1966, my number one best. My number three best trade craft was uh, the 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 French government giving out the bread, uh, which was, I guess, Matthew's idea. Um, it, it was a solid attempt to try and win over the people. My number two best trade craft was the pyramid structure, only knowing three people. Um, very, very solid strategy. But my number one best trade craft was the westernizing the women to cross the border. And uh, the reason why I made this my number one is because of the constraints that the Algerians were in, this was like such a like flag play of getting through and accomplishing their goals. Uh, what, what were some of your worst trade craft, Todd? My number three goes to questioning the, you know, flying helicopters over and broadly announcing, like, every single person that's been captured to the civilian population. Uh, I can kind of see, like, maybe, like, how that... I, I kind of feel like that's maybe one of the things, like, people in the Pentagon, like, watching this movie, they say, like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, just a gut reaction on mine. I mean, I can see why you would do it and why you would think it would work, but yeah, I'm going to go with no on that one. My number two worst tradecraft kind of goes to the movie, I, I sort of, that I didn't understand exactly how the strike was supposed to work, but especially like how... Matthew felt like the strike played into his plans and especially the the way they reacted at the at the last day of the strike. Uh weird. Number one worst, <laughs> at a certain point in the movie, the French have gotten like, you know, like they're capturing people left and right. They're working their way up through the chain. Uh, Jafar says that he wants to, uh, you know, pull back and regroup and rebuild their system. And Ali is like, no, we have to strike back now. That's my number one worst tradecraft. No, you're wrong, Ali. Uh, (laughs) This is not the time. My number three worst tradecraft was Ali screaming at his target before he shot him. Uh, it kind of plays in my whole complaints on the sneaks in this film. My number two and one go back to, you know, what I'm always saying, I'm always trying to look at something pivotal as like a really big fumble. And my number two worst trade craft was when Matthew is showing the film footage of the border and just ignoring the woman. Right. Uh, and and how the cameraman just like focused in and then Matthew's like a plot. Oh, his he had great instincts. Yeah, this false bottom, you know, whatever. It's just anyway. But my number one worst tradecraft by far is the 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 military rule, trashing the businesses and then bombing Ali basically turned him into a martyr, which is uh-huh. how you know everybody knows that martyrs always win. You know, it was it was a bad idea. Very, 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 very bad idea. Uh, but let's talk about park benches. Let's do talk about that. Uh, because of the uh, historical reality involved, I mean, I think we have to start with a five. Is there any reason we can drag it down from yes. there? Yes, yes, yes. The fucking sneaks. 
The sneaks are terrible. I, I could talk about how amazing the hiding the weapons, the like planting the weapons. I could talk about the pyramid structure. I could talk about the government like operation. But those fucking sneaks really pissed me off. Like when they were like killing the cops, like worst sneaks in history. Like, and I understand, like, you know, this goes back to Kabuki theater. This goes back to like theater. This goes back to filmmaking, storytelling. You need to make things obvious for the audience, which really irritates me as an audience member. Like, you know, and I think film's gotten better about not making it so obvious, but it was just silly. Like, this guy is sneaking. So I I, I, I want to drag this down to a four and a half or a four. I don't know. Do, do you want do you want to argue for a five on this? No, I don't want to argue with a five because it uh because we don't see that much of the planning or the tradecraft. Right. And and we we gave Day of the Jackal a five. Do we think this was less uh, park benches as Day of the Jackal deserves? I mean, it's 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 more historically accurate, but uh, we get to see a lot less of the tradecraft. Like mm-hmm. like we're not allowed into the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. In this movie, okay. and that's why I right. could go, I could, I could go down as low as a four, but that that would be my bottom. Right. I, 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 I my only argument is the sneaks, uh, but since you're saying we don't get in the kitchen, I could, I could see a four, but I, I'm thinking a four or a four and a half. What do you want to, what do you want to like go on a consensus with this for? Shit. Let me, let me check. Let me check Spycast movies real quick. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, and then, by the way, by the way, as Todd's looking into this, I want to describe analysis because we never get to talk about analysis at all in spy films. Uh, it's it's very important. Like if you ever look at statistics or like, Oh, uh, uh, dealing with uncertainties, there's this concept in analysis of taking a stab. And this is really important for me to talk about personally, because it would drive me crazy as like a kid or even like a college student. Like how do they come up with these approximations? Like they're just like pulling this out of their ass. Like for a lot of these approximations that we see or hear about. And it's like, the reason why they've been able to narrow these down is because of the stabs they take. And, and I think this show personally has helped me understand how this works. Uh, <laughs> like, I, like, like, cause I hate, I've always, always my whole life hated, hated like star ratings. Like, and Todd can attest to this. Like Todd has literally had to rip my teeth out to get me to like actually like give star ratings for for our films like I hate it I hate it so much like because there's so many factors that would go into like trying to come up with this number like I now understand why Siskel and Ebert actually made a living you know what I mean right yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah it's they had it's 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 hard uh, yeah. l- let me tell you, let me tell you, uh, let me name some, uh, fours that we've had in the past for you. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, the company part one and part mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. Argo, a most wanted man, Munich. Our 4.5 went to Tinker Taylor soldier spy. And remember, we're not just talking about like, how accurate it is that's an important factor but also like how much of it did we get to see right uh i'm cool i'm i think a 4.5 is good because i think this is all right we we i think we get a lot more than the company gives us even though i love how much we get from the company 
I think we get a lot from Most Wanted Man. I think we get a lot from Munich. I think I, I think it should sit at where Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is. I will I, agree yeah. with you. 4.5. Okay. 4.5 park benches. The Battle of Algiers. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler. <laughs>